Aloha Mission Church. <laughs> and uh, thank you again, Bill Young, for sharing that amazing and beautiful testimony. Praise the Lord that God still works in our prayers. Amen? That when we are faithful to pray, that God hears us. And that we can celebrate by the sharing of a testimony to hear of what God is doing. Prayers and answered prayers and testimony is what, what uh, we see happening here at Mission, but also here in Philippians. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open to Philippians chapter 1. And uh, go ahead and put your finger in there. And then turn back to Acts chapter 9 and stick your finger in there too, because we're going to kind of circle between the two. And what, what Bill did today by sharing, by, by sharing his prayer and the testimony is what we find the Apostle Paul is doing with the church there in Philippi. And, um, and, and Paul, we talked about this last week, prays a prayer for the Philippian church. And then he shares his testimony. And Paul prays for the Philippian church that they would abound in love more and more and uh, in knowledge and the depth of insight so that they may discern and know what is best and pure and to keep them pure and blameless. That was Paul's prayer for the church in Philippi. And after he prays for the church, he begins then to share his testimony of what he's going through and he is experiencing at the time. Exactly like what Bill did today. Prayed and shared his testimony. And we know here in Philippians chapter 1 that the Apostle Paul, he is in prison. And the amazing thing about Paul and this whole scenario in Philippians chapter 1 is this. That despite the fact that he's in prison, he's still rejoicing, right? And, uh, and I, I'm, I'm amazed at that. I'm amazed that Paul uh, is still joyful at heart. And as he writes this letter, this letter is so full of joy and it reflects Paul's heart despite the fact that he is in prison waiting to hear whether he'll be freed or he will be put to death. Wow. I, I, it, he's in this very precarious situation and yet still full of joy. And you know what he says? He says being in prison has been a good thing. He says it's been a good thing for the advancement of the gospel because now the guards that are watching us as prisoners, the palace guard, they all have heard the gospel preached because I was able to share the good news with them. And now that they believe that I'm really not guilty, I'm innocent because I'm in chains for Christ. And you know what else he goes on to say? That because of what has happened to me in prison, those, there are other Christians there that are also now emboldened to share their faith and how exciting that is. And so the Apostle Paul is rejoicing in, in prison because the gospel is being preached. And then he goes on to highlight some different motives of why some people are preaching the gospel. He says, some people preach because, um, uh, for, good, for good reasons, to, to advance the gospel. Some for selfish reasons, even maybe to hurt me and my cause. And listen to what he says right here in verse 18. But what does it matter? 
He says, the important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. You see, the Apostle Paul loves. He loves the gospel. And that's what last week's message was about on Valentine's Day, or Valentine's Sunday, to love what matters. And loving the gospel matters. And Paul does this beautifully. So we're going to pick up from where we left off. And we're going to continue on in Philippians chapter 1. And we're going to look at the end of verse 18. And what we'll find in this beautiful passage of Scripture is that Paul is in prison awaiting his sentence of either life or death. And he's continuing to rejoice. So let's see what he says here. At the very ending of verse 18, hear the word of the Lord. And he says, And I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. And I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. And then, here in verse 21, this, this verse slays me. I've been wrestling with this verse all week long. I've been excited to preach it, but it's been challenging because this passage challenges me, and I hope it does you too. Here's what he says. For to me... To live as Christ and to die is gain. The word of the Lord. Now, the Apostle Paul has absolutely zero voice in the matter of the outcome of his sentence. It's up to a judge what is going to happen to him. Whether he's going to be set free or he is going to die, right? The judge will decide that. And yet Paul is still filled with joy. And he shares his hope for what will happen. And his hope of what will happen is that he's undecided of whether he wants to be set free or he wants to be sentenced to death. Isn't that amazing? He's, he's not sure what he wants to happen. Now, 99.9999999% of people would hope for a not guilty verdict so they could go on living, right? I mean, practically everyone in here, if you were facing that same scenario, you would be praying and pleading with your family and your friends in the church, please pray that the judge will rule in my favor that I will be set free. That would be our prayer. But not Paul. Amazingly, not Paul. And, and he's still up in the air. Now, the question that we have is, why would Paul consider, even consider, a guilty verdict and death? Why would he even consider that? Well, a couple reasons. Either he's really, really depressed, right? <laughs> I don't want to live anymore. But he wasn't depressed. He was rejoicing. So we know that's not the case. So he's not depressed. Either he was a little crazy, and some might say, mm-hmm, Paul, the guy, he's a little crazy. He's doing these amazing, he's going all over the place for the gospel. That's, that's crazy. That's crazy behavior, some would say. 
Or, Paul is so convinced that his death would lead to something better. And that's why he's rejoicing and possibly looking forward to it. His death would lead him to something better. Wow. So, what I'd like to do is take a closer look at verse 21 and look at the words that Paul uses here. And let's try to understand what's going on in the life of a person who's teetering on life and death and is not sure where, where he wants to land. The first three words that Paul shares with us is, is Paul's testimony. The first three words of verse 21 says, For to me. For to me. This is Paul saying, This is my testimony. This is my personal experience. And this is my conviction. And for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. What he says right here is true for him. But obviously, 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 it's not true for everyone. Not everyone holds the same view. And that's why Paul says, for to me. Not for to you, for to me. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. What he says here is true. It's true for those who, like Paul, have genuinely, authentically, and actually committed their entire lives to Christ. When you genuinely and authentically, and you actually do it, you just commit everything you have, all of who you are to Christ, you know what the result of that is? That you love what really matters. And when you love what really matters, you're ready and willing to give your life for it. When, when, when that's what, this is what matters more to me than anything else, the gospel. Jesus, I'm, I'm ready to give my life for it. And you know what else you're ready to do if, if you live on the other side of that? <laughs> and this is kind of grim. You're ready to take the life of someone that doesn't agree with you. Right? And you see this happening all the time. In fact, this is what's happened in Paul's life as well too. You see, when we look at who Paul is right here, and compare that to where he came from and who he was, we see this amazing transformation of heart. Paul had a miraculous, miraculous conversion in his life. And that conversion led to a transformation of who he is. We all know Paul grew up being Jewish, right? And he was so earnest in his belief in Judaism that he became a Pharisee. He kept the law for the Jewish people. And his convictions were so strong about holding true to Judaism and the beliefs of it that he was willing to take the lives of people that didn't believe the same way. We see this in Acts chapter 7 when Stephen was stoned and Paul was right there giving approval for it. And then here in Acts chapter 9, Right before Paul's great conversion, look at the words at this story here in, in Acts chapter 9. 
It tells you Paul's heart. Meanwhile, Saul, who was Paul, was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He believed so strongly. You know when you believe so strongly, like nothing can move you from what you believe. You believe in it so much that you would either give your life for it and on the other end, sadly, take the lives of others that don't believe what you believe. And that's where Paul is at. He's still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. And he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus. So that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, it doesn't matter. All of them will take them. That he might take them to prison to Jerusalem. And, he's, and he's neared, as he neared Damascus on his journey... Suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Wow. This was a crisis moment in Saul's life. This was a turning point for Saul. This event radically changed him and transformed his life. His convictions from what it was turned the opposite direction. And what happened in Paul's life right here is exactly, church, what Jesus came to bring in the hearts of all people. You and me and Saul and everyone else that Jesus touches and impacts. His hope for all of our lives is that we would be radically changed in the same way Paul was radically changed here. To turn away from who you were so that you can turn fully to face Jesus. That's exactly what happens to Paul's life. Paul, look at who was he? Paul was a Pharisee. He was a guardian of the Jewish faith. He persecuted was, was willing to, to take the life of those who did not agree with Judaism, especially those of the way. You know, these Christians, these Jesus followers, Paul was out to get them. And when he met Jesus, when he met Jesus, his life radically changed. You know what happened? He actually turned 180 degrees in the opposite direction from where he was going to finding and rooting out Christians to becoming the leading Christian voice of his day. He went from persecuting Christians to becoming a church planter and trying to convince other people that didn't believe in Christ that he is the way, the truth, and the life. If there ever was a transformation of a person going 180 degrees from where they were once going to where they are going now, it would be the Apostle Paul. And that is exactly the reason why Jesus came. And this, this transition, this transformation, this event that takes place in Paul's life is, is, is found in a word that we're all kind of familiar with. We, we use it in the church. We throw it around. And I wonder if we're willing to, to own it ourselves. This word is repentance, right? You've heard that word before. We, we think, oh, I've, I've repented before. I've asked for forgiveness. Well, 
Is that fully what repentance means? But if we look fully at what repentance means, this word repent in Greek means metanoia, the word. And this beautiful word, metanoia, is, is a transformation of a person. And, and that, the root word metanoia comes, you know, gives us the word metamorphosis. And, and we see that beautifully when a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. It's totally transformed. doesn't look the same. And the Apostle Paul is totally transformed. He doesn't look the same. He's totally, completely changed. And repentance then, this beautiful word, it means to, to make a change of your mind and of your heart that leads to a change in your actions by turning away from sin and self and turning to Jesus. It's not just, Lord, forgive me and I will be forgiven. It's a, it's a complete change. Repentance recognizes the offense of our sin towards God. And that sin is what breaks God's heart. And repentance calls us to have our hearts broken for what breaks the heart of God. And it leads us to atone for our sins, feeling the remorse and turning around And I love this, heading in the opposite direction. That's exactly what it means. To head in the opposite direction. And we see this beautifully in the example of the Apostle Paul's life. When he went from being a Pharisee that persecuted Christians and because he truly, truly repented, turned in the opposite direction. No longer did he persecute Christians. Instead, he lived his life being one, struggling to be one, working on it, praying that God would help him to be the example of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, and then doing all that he can to spread the message of Jesus everywhere to anyone. Oh, I love this. He was a broker of the good news of Jesus, planting churches and leading others to the transforming work of repentance and to fully committing their lives to Christ just as Paul was committing his. That's Paul's testimony for to me, to live as Christ. Oh, I love that. To live as Christ. So let's move on to the next words, to live as Christ. What does that mean? We can, we, can, we can coalesce around this, right? As believers in Jesus, we try our best to live, in, you know, to live as Christ. What does that mean for us? This is Paul's testimony. He says, I, I am a changed man. And now for me to live is not to, to obey the Jewish law, For me to live is not so that I can get my own way. No. For me to live is Christ. For the Apostle Paul, it meant that his life was completely dedicated to Jesus and the furthering of the kingdom of God with his life on earth. So it doesn't matter what the Apostle Paul did or what he said, wherever he went, not even who he was with. None of that mattered. He lived his life 
to glorify God. And so we find the Apostle Paul here in Philippians chapter 1 in prison. Right? Is that a problem for him? Absolutely not. He's rejoicing while he is there because he is living for Christ. Paul sees himself as a missionary to these prison guards. That's the mentality that he has. As opposed to me, if I were thrown in prison, I would be wallowing in self-pity and, 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 and frustration and, and trying to proclaim my innocence, right? I mean, that's maybe what all of us would do. Paul looks at it as an opportunity to be a missionary to the people in there that may not have heard Jesus before. <laughs> that is amazing. And so Paul begins to preach the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ to the prison guards. And now, these prison guards know Jesus. They've heard of Jesus. And they're all convinced that Paul, he didn't commit a crime. Instead, he's in chains because, he's in chains because of Christ. And he, what Paul's testimony has done has emboldened other Christians to share their faith. And so it doesn't matter if Paul's in prison or if he's free. If Paul is in the city, or if he's in the country, or if he's shipwrecked, or if he's on an island, or if he's in a huge crowd, or if he's just doing a little one-on-one, he lived, and he talked, and he breathed, and everything that he did was to share Christ with those around him. The Apostle Paul's passion was to be identified with Jesus and possibly to be identified as Jesus. In that, in that, he was living a Christ-like life as much as he could, as, as, as much as he knew how to, to live as Jesus would, so that when people saw the Apostle Paul, so that when they heard him speak, so that whatever he did and wherever he went, people would say, that guy, he's just like Jesus. And his encouragement, Paul's encouragement to his audience and to us today is to be more like Jesus every day. Isn't that the call of what Christians ought to be? More like Jesus every single day? And in the verdict that was coming his way, if Paul received the verdict of life and freedom, then that would mean that he would be able to continue to live his life as Christ would. To me, for to me, to live as Christ. But in the same breath, he says this, and to die is gain. We get the to live as Christ part pretty well. Say amen if you get that. I get that. Right? Every day we ought to live more like Jesus. Amen? Amen. <laughs> but to most people, to say and to die is gain, that sounds a bit morbid. Right? To die is gain. I mean, I can do to live as Christ, but to die is gain? That's going a bit too far, Pastor. <laughs> How do you do that? I mean, that's Paul's testimony. Should that be mine too? Is that what you're saying? 
Because not many people think this way. In fact, most people here, and I'm sure to Paul and his audience in Philippi, would think that death is the worst outcome that could happen. We mourn death. But amazingly, not the Apostle Paul. He doesn't mourn death. He says death is gain. Wow. Now, this word gain here is important to know. Right? What does he mean? Gain. Death is gain. The Greek word for death here is kerdos. And that means to profit. Right? To gain something. To make a profit. In Matthew 25, Jesus shares the parable of the talents. If you remember that parable, you can turn back to it if you want to. And he he talks about the servants who where the master gave them talents. One of them got five, the other got two, and the last one got one. And the, the one who received the five talents invested it and got a kerdos of five more. The prophet. The one that invested two got a kerdos of two more. That's the word that he's using here. Kerdos, prophet. And Jesus uh, says that that prophet was a good thing. The one that didn't receive, make a prophet, what, was, what he had was taken from him and given to the one that made a prophet. And so to the Apostle Paul, death was not to be feared. Amazing, huh? Death for Paul was not to be feared. If I die, I'll profit from it. That's his thought. And remember, Paul's not depressed here. He's rejoicing. That's what is amazing, right? He's not, he's not, woe is me. He is rejoicing. And he's full of joy. And he sees death as a gain. And you can only do that if you don't lose sight of the fact of who Jesus is in our lives and what he came to bring. If we, if we take our eyes off of Jesus and onto all of the things that surround us in this world and, and, and we cling to the things that we may feel like we're going to lose, it, it, And the hard part is the relationships that we share with one another, right? Because that's the hard part of death. Man, I can't go fishing with Jeremy anymore. That would be terrible. (laughs) You know? And we we see all of the, the things on earth that we treasure and we value. And we struggle with that because death takes that away from us. But what the Apostle Paul was looking at was not the things on earth his value, and what he treasured more than anything was his relationship with Jesus. That was worth giving his whole life for. And if our eyes are not fixed on Jesus, we don't see the value of being with him. We see the value of our relationship here, Roger. But when we turn our eyes up, we turn our eyes towards Jesus, when our affection 
for Jesus grows more than our affection for one another, which is probably where it ought to be. Wow, maybe we can move from, from what, how we see death to, to seeing what Paul sees now, that it might be of gain and of profit for him. The Apostle Paul longs for what, we, what all believers should long for, and that is to be in the very presence of Jesus for all eternity. That's where his heart is. And so for the Apostle Paul, there's a tension going on right now. In verses 22 and 23, he says this, If I am going to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me, but what shall I choose? I don't know. He's struggling here. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart to be with Christ, which is better by far. Wow. This is amazing, right? And, and, and what I want to point out is the last three words that Paul says here. That to, to be with Christ is better by far. If he just said it was just better, we go, yeah, it is better. But he says better by far, like, this is way better. That's what he's trying to say. I don't know if there's a Greek word for way better. But he says, it's better by far. And his emphasis there is important. Because Paul stands to profit greatly. And this is Paul's attitude towards death. Because of what Jesus did on Easter when he rose again from the grave. And Paul knows, like we all do, if we believe in Jesus, that death is not the end of me. So for Paul, the story of Jesus, it's not just a nice story to tell to children in Sunday school. For Paul, this is his reality. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And death is the opportunity to be with Jesus and all of the saints who have gone before us and to spend eternity there. Wow. A lot of people struggle with this, though, because the human tendency is to want to live, right? I get that. I do, too. The human tendency is to want to live, and that's a good thing as we live for Christ. But our faith in God and what God's Word tells us is that there is something better by far. And we have to be convinced of this to know this for sure to live our lives if we are ever going to get to the place where Paul is at to make that our testimony. Because for people of faith, death is a reality of the world but not for those who know Jesus. And there's something that is better by far. So much better. And you know what that better is? It's that we can be 
with Jesus. It's this relationship that with, with Jesus that makes it better by far. See, Paul doesn't say, I want to go to heaven to walk the streets of gold, and I want to go to heaven because I want to see the pearly gates, or I want to go to heaven because there, there's beautiful waves that I can surf all day long, or I want to go to heaven because there, there's probably a golf course like Augusta National that I can play every week. You know, all these benefits of what it, you can think of and whatever your thing is to get to heaven for. That's not what Paul says. He says, I want to depart to be with Jesus. Because that is better by far. It's Jesus who is the goal. And it is Jesus who makes living. And if we're going to die, dying better by far. That's my prayer. That you understand what Paul is going through and that you can look at your own heart and life. And what is your testimony for to me, for to you? To live is what? And to die is what? That's our, that's our question today. And we may not be there yet. And I get it. But my understanding of what is happening here and what happens to Paul is that his life wasn't the same anymore. And if we continue to go on living the same life that we've always lived, I'm not sure if we're going to ever get to the place where our relationship with Jesus means more to us than anything else that we can find here on earth. But when that radical transformation happens, when we truly, truly, truly give up the things of this world and turn from them and go in the opposite direction, I think then and only then can we find Jesus and see him as Paul sees him, as the Lord and Savior of our lives. That's what I'm willing to give 100% of my life for. And when you get to that point, when you find yourself on the journey getting there, I will tell you that that's when the journey in your walk with Christ is the sweetest. It's not in the dabbling, and it's not in the what-ifs, and it's not in the, oh, i got to give this up, but it is in the total surrender of your whole heart to Jesus this is the source of all joy for the Apostle Paul and for every single believer that wants to put their faith in Jesus. The greatest joy you will have is when you've given your full self to Jesus. Because He is the only way and the only truth and He is the only life to live. Jesus is the reason we can have joy in the midst of all of our struggles in life that we face. And that's my prayer, that we find ourselves on a journey towards Jesus to find joy. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, I struggle, Lord God, with this verse, just as every person here probably does. Because this journey is tough. And it's so easy to get focused on the things of this world and the people that we care and love and cherish. Help us, Lord God, to turn our gaze towards you. Help us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author 
and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross and suffered its shame. Because when our relationship with Jesus becomes greater than any of the relationships that we have with people or anything on earth, then I believe we can say the same thing Paul says. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Father in heaven, help us on our journey toward that. Help us to take the steps that we need to take, Lord God, to release the things of this world to you, to surrender all to you, Lord. I surrender so that I can find the way and the truth and the life that you want me to have, that you want all of us to have, where, where we see living our lives totally committed to you as life and being with you forever as gain. Lead us, we pray, in Jesus' name.